Now, I feel like the Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood people of the Trinity. Um, the Holy Spirit, at least for me growing up, was spooky. The Holy Spirit was weird. Um, folks was crazy, and they blame it on the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, if that's what the Holy Spirit makes you sound like, I don't want him. That's how I felt. He made you do what? When the Holy Spirit just said, are you sure the Holy Spirit really told you that? Because I can't find that in the Bible nowhere. And I'm 12. <laughs> and I don't see how that's, we would blame so many things on the Holy Spirit and say it was him or it was this or it was that. And I want to help you better understand who he is and why we need to listen to him. He plays such an important role in our Christian walk. And I promise you, living a spirit-led life is going to be one of the most exciting things that you will ever get to do. So let's jump into a scripture here. And I want to start off there in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And it says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. So the Holy Spirit is like a down payment on you. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. I'm going to ask if we can bring up my first picture here. And I want to tell you about how, for me, Holy, the Holy Spirit played such a large role. So this is going way back. Over there on the far side is Miss Red Ruby. That was my red car that I had back in the day. I love Toyotas. That Camry was like my favorite thing in life. And driving that Camry is not me, that is Miss Sonia, who we weren't necessarily in a relationship at the time. I told y'all, I'll give you bits and pieces. But she's driving my car. And I can't say that we had that great of a relationship at the time. I was a little mad at her, I don't know what she was at me at the time, but this is, in this car, this is Sonia's car. Her sister is sitting here and two of her friends. This is her bachelorette night. Her sister's getting married. And about two weeks before the bachelorette party, Holy Spirit started messing with me. Holy Spirit told me, you need to take her car to the shop. I'm like, take her car to the shop for what? She don't even like me. <laughs> Taking her car to the shop for nothing. And it just wouldn't leave me alone. Like, you need to get her a car. You need to give her your car. Now I was really mad. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> How about we go back to the first conversation where I just take her car to the shop? You want me to do what? Give her, like, my keys and let her drive off in my light, nice, lovely, brand new ruby red and take her car? Now, nah, look, I love my wife, but she don't treat cars nice. <laughs> you want me to take her car? This black one. For about three days, it wouldn't leave me alone. Um, I eventually acquiesced to the Holy Spirit. I said, fine, I'll do it. I gave her my keys. Now, remember, we ain't getting along so well. So part of her didn't want to take the keys because she felt like she was going to owe me something. But another part of her was like, you going to give me this brand new car? <laughs> she took my car and drove off, and I swear a tear ran down the side of my face. When I took her car to the shop and I dropped it off, the mechanic called me the next day, and he thanked me for bringing it. This is how you know the conversation is starting off wrong. He was like, Mr. English, you brought in this car, right? And I said, yes. 
He said, I want to thank you for bringing this in. Um, this car was one pothole away from losing two or more tires. The ball joints were completely wrecked. He said, literally, one bad hit, any or all four tires could have left this vehicle. They were going to be driving all over creation for a bachelorette party in this car. He looked, <laughs> now, when he told me how much it was going to cost to fix all four of them ball joints, oh, I cried out, Jesus, for real. <laughs> Jesus! He said this car was a death trap. And anybody driving in it was risking their life every time they started it and pulled out. I didn't know that. I had no clue of that. But you know who did? Holy Spirit knew. And as much as he made me mad, telling me, give her your car, take this car and get it checked we were talking with the volunteers this morning. Holy Spirit will tell you a lot of stuff, and he never gives you details. It, it, it irritates me beyond belief because you will feel like God is talking to you or you feel like something is being impressed on you over and over, but it won't give you the details. The question is, will you obey that? Will you listen? Will you pay attention? And the reality is she would have been in my car, yes, her sister and her two friends would have been in hers. Anything could have happened. Maybe our lives look completely different. Maybe I'm not even married to her today. Maybe she dies in a car accident. I don't know. What I do know is that throughout the time that we were navigating our relationship, God was utilizing that to help me learn to hear the Holy Spirit speaking. And it's not enough to learn to hear. We have to learn to act. Just like any relationship where I recognize certain voices. I had a lot of voices. I had my own. I had Satan's trying to tell me some other stuff. And then many times you have the Holy Spirit, which is normally the quietest of the three, who's normally telling you some stuff that you really don't want to do. And I had to begin learning how to hear him and act when he told me to. I want to help us understand the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you a lot of Bible up front because I don't want to make him weird. I don't want to make him spooky. He's not some strange ghost hiding in the closet, jumping out on folks and making them do crazy stuff in the middle of their house. That's not how he operates. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to give you some facts about the Holy Spirit as we're learning about him today. First thing is that he's a person. He is a person. He's a person who can feel sorrow. He's a person that you can lie to. Ephesians 4.30 tells us, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Acts chapter 5, verse 3, then Peter said to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. Ananias, Sapphira, two people that supposedly were selling their land to give money to the church, not because the church asked for it, because they said they wanted to do that. They probably sold it for a bit more than they thought they were going to, and they decided to keep part of it. And when they asked them, hey, Ananias, is this all the money? Oh, yeah, that's all the money. You lied to the Holy Spirit. For those two individuals, it cost them their lives. The Holy Spirit actually killed them for lying in this case. 
So we know he's a person who can feel sorrow, who can be grieved, who can also be lied to. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Verse 26 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray. And I got news for you. Many times I have no clue what I should pray. I know what I want to pray. But what should I be praying? And the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. Your tongue, your mouth, proclaiming the will of God because the Holy Spirit is controlling it. This is why praying in your heavenly language, praying in tongues is important. Because it allows the Holy Spirit to pray and utilize our mouths, which gives God permission, which gives him authority to act on our behalf according to his will. See, God says anything that you pray and ask according to my will, I'll do it. And we wonder why things don't happen. Maybe we didn't pray it according to what he wanted. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is also a teacher who will remind us of what to say when we're witnessing? John 14, 26 tells us, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Matthew 10, 19 tells us, when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say, for God will give you the right words at the right time. People who are scared to witness or scared to just get into conversations, trust me, God will give you something to say. Trust him. His spirit that lives inside of you will hand you some stuff. You'll be like, I don't even know where that came from. (laughs) Oh, we do know where it came from. God's spirit within you wants to reach other people. And this is one of his promises. The Holy Spirit is a guide. John 16, 13 tells us that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will reveal things to you. He will let you know things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you about other people. You ever come around somebody and suddenly just have something in you that's like, yeah, don't hang around them too much. Uh, No, you probably shouldn't be having this conversation. Don't loan them that money. (laughs) Holy Spirit be telling you, like, don't do it. You loan them that money, the money good is gone. He will guide you. Holy Spirit also, he empowers us to carry out God's mission. This is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible tells us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. This is what the Holy Spirit enables us to do. He empowers us. He will produce fruit in our lives. This is not an empty empowerment. But the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says that the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives, this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Nobody's going to send you to jail for loving too much. Does that make sense? Self-control, patience. These are all things that the Holy Spirit helps us with. Does that mean we're perfect in them? Oh, I wish. 
I got a few of them I know I need more help in, and I need more work. I know that. But the Holy Spirit helps me. He reminds me. He convicts me. When I lose patience and I do or say something I shouldn't say, oh, he won't let me sleep till I make that right. Because that's the fruit he wants to produce in my life, in your life. Amen. I want to read something to you here about the Holy Spirit, that speaking in tongues is not the only evidence of you having him. And I want to, I want to oh, because there's so many people that are so trapped by this, and there are people who are teaching this so out of context. In John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, maybe you know this, maybe you never had a clue about this. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. This is after Jesus has been crucified. And suddenly Jesus was standing there amongst them, and peace be unto you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That verse there, receive the Holy Spirit. So there are people that will try to teach you that Acts is the first time the Holy Spirit comes into fruition. It's the only time that we see it at that point. And I'm like, no, check out the book of John. There are churches that will teach you that if you don't speak in tongues, you are not saved and you do not have the Holy Spirit. But I have news for you. Here in John, we see Jesus imparting the Holy Spirit to his disciples, but we do not see anything related to the speaking in tongues until the book of Acts. Let's go further into that. If you go through all of the times where the Bible talks about people believing on Jesus and being baptized and numbers being added to the church, there are quite a few times where speaking in tongues is not mentioned as part of the process. I want to help you. My beginning verse, and I'm, Kathy, I know I'm going out of order a little bit. If we can go back to that first verse in Ephesians chapter 1, 13 through 14, and pull that back up on the screen here. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. It said when you believed. They didn't say when you spoke in tongues. I'm giving you Bible, you all, because people are confused. The Holy Spirit lives in you the moment you truly accept him. I don't mean just saying some words, oh, Jesus, I give my life to you. Like, if you really meant it in your heart, as part of God's purchasing of you and showing that the purchase has taken place, he gives you the Holy Spirit as a receipt. This is the proof that I've been bought, that I've been purchased, that, I, that the price has been paid. I'm going to give you this as a receipt. He didn't say that speaking in tongues always follows. Sometimes it does. Some people have spoken in tongues immediately after getting baptized. I've seen it. Some people have spent 20 years searching for the opportunity to speak in tongues. I've seen that too. Why is it different for some than others? I don't know. I've seen children speak in tongues and I've seen adults struggle. I don't know. Some people speak in tongues all the time. I believe there's a gift of tongues. 
There are people who have a gifting to speak in tongues and to interpret. Because the Bible tells us that if I'm speaking in tongues audibly in front of all of you, I should be interpreting that or I'm just talking gibberish. We have to rightly divide the word. So there are people with a gift of tongues. However, speaking in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a separate process. Process one, I got saved. I gave Jesus Christ my life. And Jesus says, thank you for buying salvation. Here's your receipt. The Holy Spirit is now yours to have. You can redeem this upon my return. That's one process by itself. You have the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. This is why you start feeling funny about the bad stuff you're still doing. I'm still doing the same stuff. It don't feel the same. Yeah, I wonder why. Holy Spirit inside of you like, why? (laughs) Stop doing that. Don't go there. Don't drink that. Why are you smoking that? Holy Spirit in there struggling. Y'all have gave him a contact high messing around with you. That's why I don't feel the same, though. You gave your life to Christ. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's struggling. He's fighting for the fruit that he knows he should be bringing forth out of your life. People, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is when you heard the Bible say when he comes upon you, when he overshadows you, when he takes full control of your body. It is at that point that you will experience the speaking in tongues as the initial physical evidence. Am I making sense? We got to understand this, you all. There are people who are trying to say folks ain't saved. Oh, you don't speak in tongues. You ain't saved. You're not going to heaven. You crazy. Because I know a whole lot of folks that speak in a whole lot of tongues, and I don't think they're going to make it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm being honest. Look, Folks speaking in tongues, but ain't no fruit. The Bible say demons speak in tongues. Maybe that ain't the Holy Spirit. And folks is judging people's salvation on their ability to, okay. You can't judge it based on that. The moment you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. Instantly. Speaking in tongues is a separate part of the process, even for the disciples. Now, come on, y'all. If anybody was going to receive speaking in tongues instantly on the Holy Spirit, wouldn't it have been the ones he's sending out? Even they didn't receive it yet. Jesus later on told them, go to Jerusalem and wait until you receive this because you're going to need the additional power it will give you to be my witnesses. But he never said you're not saved because you don't have that. Does that make sense? Amen. I want to make sure. We got to understand the Bible, you all, and we got to teach the whole thing and not just these little raggedy pieces that folks try to come up with and make their own doctrine out of. Here's the second thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not some separate entity that's out working outside of the will of God as some free agent. The Holy Spirit himself is God. God, I have an image here I want to show you of how the Holy Spirit works because we need to understand this. This is going to help us be better, not just for ourselves, but for everybody around us. The Holy Spirit lives and communes with our spirit. 
Our spirit is the part of us that makes us alive. Holy Spirit communes with that. You ever heard that phrase? I feel like something dropped in my spirit. <laughs> I used to hear that all the time growing up. Holy Spirit would do that. He would drop ideas. He would drop people's names. Pray for them. Do this. Don't go that way. Go right here. Don't go into that gas station right now. Weird, random stuff that you be like, why do I suddenly feel like I need to go a whole different way home? Just dropping it into your spirit. And then at that point, your soul, which is who you are, your mind, your emotions, gets to consider what your spirit is telling you. And this is where we mess it up. We overthink it. Oh, we just don't listen. Oh, we don't even know to listen. And at this point, we have to make a decision. We have to choose what am I going to do with what I feel my spirit is telling me. Then we translate that mind and emotion and decision to our body. Here's what I am going to do. You know what? All morning long, I felt like I don't need to go down Green Bay Road. I don't know what this is. I don't know why. Let me go ahead and turn the bell over there and go down to Lewis. Ever since I woke up that morning, it told me, you need to avoid Green Bay. I don't know why I go to Green Bay Road every morning. And if y'all like me, you get on Green Bay anyway. <laughs> and you're driving on Green Bay, and that feeling gets stronger and stronger. You be like, oh, Jesus, look, I take this every single day. If I'm coming from North Chicago, I done passed 10th Street. I done passed 14th Street, feeling getting stronger. And I probably get around Belvedere, and I be like, you crazy. Why would you take a chance? What if this is God? I make that turn down Belvedere, and I go up Lewis, and I find out later on there was a five-car accident up there somewhere between Belvedere and where I got off at. Maybe I would have been in that. But only because I tell my body to do what my spirit, I feel like something in my spirit is giving me information or prompting me to do something, can I live a spirit-led life? Spirit leads me by speaking to my spirit. I contemplate it in my mind. Am I going to do what I feel? And then I carry out those actions. Let's look at Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 31. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip is here, and this is an actual angel talking to him. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So I'm going to repeat again. Philip, a disciple of Jesus, has an angel speaking to him, telling him to go over here and go down the desert road. He didn't tell him what, what to look for, why. Just go do X. And Philip obeys. Then it says, now the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside beside the carriage. Philip runs over and hears the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you were reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and to sit with him. So Philip has been sent on a mission. He has no clue what he's doing. He knows he's supposed to go down a certain road. That's what he does know because an angel, an actual angel. You know what? Sometimes, if I'm honest with y'all, I wish God would just send an angel to tell me what to do. 
Like, just send Gabriel with a notepad, write what you want to have happen, <laughs> show up in my room, blow me away with your blinding light, and I will know exactly what to do. That seems easier. God, just send angels. You got tens of thousands. Send one. But you know what's really crazy? Philip obeys the angel, and then the Holy Spirit speaks to him. You know what Philip does? The same thing. He obeys. Let me help you understand this. So, Journey Church Kenosha, we all know Pastor Kevin Taylor, lead pastor of Journey Church. Pastor Kevin Taylor has an administrative assistant that runs a whole lot of stuff. His name is Jordan Lee. Jordan Lee is a bad boy. That brother gets most stuff done in one day that most of us do in a month. And it's easy to him. It's fun to him. It's amazing. So here's the thing. When Jordan calls me and he says, Pastor Kevin would like you to do X, Y, and Z, you know what I do? I obey him. Why? Because he speaks on behalf of Pastor Kevin. He's been given authority over his schedule. He's been given authority to speak on his behalf. He can sign documents. He has a stamp with PK's signature. Pow! Just as good as PK sent it. And some of us will say we would rather have angelic visitation, but I'm here to tell you that the angels are just God's assistants. Because see, it's very different when I hear from Jordan and he tells me what PK wants me to do than when the phone rings and I pick it up and it says Pastor Kevin Taylor himself is calling. I'm not talking to his assistants. I'm talking to him. And see, we get it mixed up because we would treat an angel better as an assistant of God than the Holy Spirit who is God. Do you understand how intimate of a conversation it is when the Holy Spirit speaks to you? It is God speaking to you himself. He picked up the phone, dialed your number, called you and said, I have a message just for you. You don't have to worry about, is this an angel? Is this real? Were you dreaming? I'm going to talk to you myself. Don't give angels more credit than they deserve to have as God's administrative assistance when he wants to speak to you himself. I look at this, and one of the things that I realize watching all of the things throughout the Bible that Holy Spirit has led people into is that living a spirit-led life is one of the greatest adventures you will ever have. It's scary. It's frightening. It's exciting. It's frustrating. It is entirely joyful. It is crazy. You want an adrenaline rush? Oh, let the Holy Spirit tell you to do something crazy. And you be sitting there like, right now? <laughs> you want me to do what? Today? Wait, wait. You want me to walk off my job right now? Why, Jesus? Why? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Will you do it? I dare you. I dare you to trust me. I dare you to see what I got on the other side of this. 
I dare you to do what I'm asking and see what I'm about to do. Some of the things that happen in Romans 8, and this is just me throwing some scripture at you because I believe this has to be biblically based. Romans 8.14 tells us, for all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. He tells us in Ezekiel, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. Now, we've heard about the valley of dry bones and about how God sent a wind through there, then the bones stood up and started piecing themselves back together. That would give me a bit of a rush. Yeah. <laughs> now, I might want to rush away from there. <laughs> but it was the Spirit of God that led him to the valley in the first place. We know in Matthew, then Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Acts chapter 10, while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. You want adventure? You want to see some wild stuff happen? Trust God when he says pray for that person and watch them be healed. You want to see something that will blow your mind? Because you know it's not you. You know it's not you. You know, it has to be God. In Acts chapter 16, we have Paul and Silas traveling through the area, and it says because the Holy Spirit prevented them from teaching the word in certain provinces of Asia. The Holy Spirit will stop you from doing some things. Not just there. It says coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north, Paul and Silas again, for the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. The Bible refers to it as the spirit of Jesus talking to you, guiding you, helping you, teaching you, opening doors for you. And you need to be willing to trust him at his word and follow through on the actions he is asking you to do. So in high school, I had a teacher named Mr. Blanchard. Mr. Blanchard worked full time as a teacher. He was my history teacher. But he also worked third shift as a security guard at Victory Memorial Hospital. So Mr. B, as we would call him, was hilarious because he would come in some days and Mr. B was tired. He'd been up all night long and he got to come in here and deal with us at 16, 17 years old, getting on his last nerves. And then I was at a private school and they had all of these requirements for the teachers of things they had to do, quizzes they had to give, tests that he felt was over and above what he wanted to do. <laughs> So Mr. B would come in with an attitude sometimes. Not at us, at the system. <laughs> they gonna make us just, we gotta have a, he'd be like, y'all look, we gotta have a quiz today. It's supposed to be a pop quiz. That's what my schedule says. You're not supposed to even know it's happening. But you know what? I'm kind of tired of how they do stuff around here. So here's what I'm gonna let you do. We having a pop quiz, but you can use your books. What? <laughs> Mr. B, yes! <laughs> Cause I didn't study nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and that man would tell us we can literally use our history books for the pop quiz. Well, you know how crazy you got to be to have the opportunity to use your book and then choose not to? Yep. Well, the thing is that regardless of how much studying you did, I promise you, you are more likely to get all of these right if you use your book. Only pride would tell you, I don't need that book. Why? It's free. 
My gray ain't going to look just like yours, but I guarantee you, I'm going to know for sure if I got the right answers. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit is God telling you you have an open book test on this thing called life? And I don't know if we look at it that way. The Holy Spirit knows both sides of every story. We heard in one of our scriptures, he knows the future. He knows your life. He knows what direction to go. He'll guide you. He'll teach you. He'll remind you of things that you learned long time ago. He will bring you to the place God wants you to be. He will stop you from doing certain things. He will send you certain areas. This is called open book. And some of us want to live life and not use the open book that God has blessed us to utilize. And it's free. And nothing, nothing but pride says that I know more about how to do this life than God's spirit does. So I'll take the test on my own. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Why? Why? Jamil, why? Why would I do that? Why would I take any test? And the teacher hands me the answers and I say, no, I don't need those. I'll figure it out on my own. But this is how we do the Holy Spirit all the time. We get in situations and the Holy Spirit shows up like, hey, all you got to do is this. It'll wipe this whole thing out. And we're like, nope, nope, I, no, I got it myself. Nope, I'll figure this out on my own. We don't want to seek godly counsel. We don't want to ask other people that are full of God's spirit. We don't want to pray. We don't want to spend time asking God for his opinion, his thoughts. So that we can do things in a way that will bring us success. Why would I trust me when I can trust him? Oh, people ask us here at this church, we're blessed. God is doing amazing things. And they will ask us, even our leadership team, how are you doing this? And we're like, we don't know. We just do what God tells us to do. That's it. That's the secret. My book would be two pages. One would have the title. The second one would say, do what God tells you to do and watch it work. But we complicate things. Let me help you understand a few more things and then we'll be closing. The Holy Spirit will prompt you with gentle suggestions and ideas. He's not going to force himself. He's not going to make you do nothing. Just prompt you. Just tap you a little bit. You ever thought about this? You know your attitude kind of nasty right now, right? He won't make you change it. He'll just point it out. Hey, maybe you should do this right now. You know what? You probably shouldn't lie about that. <laughs> That's going to come back and bite you. Oh, you lied. Okay, when it come back, just remember I told you. <laughs> That's how the Holy Spirit will be talking to you. And in the back of your mind, you're looking over your shoulder every day now like... <laughs> They're going to find out I lied. Yep, they are. The Holy Spirit already told you they're going to find out. So we know that it's a gentle suggestion, and when it's from God, there's going to always be provision and success. I'm going to repeat that again. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, this is how, when I told you at the beginning, you have to learn how to hear him. You have to learn to acknowledge his voice. Well, you do that through practicing, if I'll be totally honest with you. When you feel certain things, feel a certain way. Everybody has a different way the Holy Spirit talks to them. You got to figure out your way. Some people get a certain feeling. Whenever I get this feeling, I have learned over time, it's the Holy Spirit trying to get me to do something. 
Some people have a certain person that magically shows up whenever God wants them to do something specific. Maybe you're a person that turns on the radio and whatever you're dealing with suddenly starts coming through somebody talking. Holy Spirit works a lot of different ways. So what works for one person may not work for you. You got to figure out your own relationship so that you can understand and hear his voice and know what he's doing. We know that if it does not work, if it goes against the word of God, if you realize over the course of time there's been zero provision and zero success, I believe you missed it. That's how I look at it for myself. I missed it. I had to have. There's been zero provision. There's been zero success. Or I've seen people who said they are following the spirit of God and it led them into a life of sin. Why would God do that to you? I've seen people do that. But God, here's one, give you a great example, because this is what gets people in trouble. People get saved from something. See, saved and delivered are two different things. Can we agree on that? I can be saved from drugs. I can be saved from alcohol, but maybe I haven't been delivered from them. Still struggle, still have issues. Well, there are people who will get saved knowing that they're dealing with alcoholism and then decide they want to go minister at the bars. It's a lot of people that need Jesus in there. I agree with you. Do we as Christians need to be taking the gospel into the bars? Yes. It's a ton of depressed people, folks who are looking for answers, who want to know more about themselves, that are dealing with self-esteem, dealing with family issues. There's all kinds of people at the bars. Yes. Here's the problem. The same thing that you're struggling with is still there too. You've been saved, not delivered. So why would God, knowing that you can't pass up a bottle of nothing right now, send you back into a place by his spirit that he knows you're not strong enough to withstand, that leads you back down the same road you just got out of? Does that make sense? We have to be honest. Why would God do that to people? Well, I'm convinced he did not. And typically, if you ask them, four or five other people who did believe in God and who did have the Spirit of God told them, don't do that right now, and they did it anyway. We have to be willing to understand that if it leads us out of God's will and into sin, that was not him. So whatever that feeling was that you had when you did that, know in the future, when you get that feeling, ignore it. Oh, don't listen to that one. But over time, as you are praying, God, make yourself real to me. God, help me understand. Speak to me. Help me to know your voice. God is a shepherd. If you've ever watched some of the crazy videos on YouTube, sometimes I just jump on there and you see crazy stuff. Do you know sheep recognize shepherds' voices? It's crazy. And the Bible tells us the sheep know their shepherd and no other voice will they follow. It can be all type of sheep together, and the shepherd can make a noise, and his sheep will come running for him because they know his voice. We have to be the same way, but we have to spend time in relationship. We got to spend time talking. We have to spend time learning what he likes, what he desires. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says in verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Amen. Proverbs 16, 3 tells us to commit our works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Now that word commit in this verse 
literally means to roll. It says we are to roll our works or the things that we need to accomplish over to God, basically for him to review. What does you want to do? What do you feel called to? What would you like to accomplish? How would you want your marriage to look? How do you want this situation to work out for you? Well, you know what? None of us in and of ourselves can figure it out. We need some help. We need to open book. So the Bible says to commit our works, whatever you want to accomplish, roll it over to God first. Let him review that. And it says in the rest of this verse, and your plans will be established. Roll my works, what I want to accomplish over to God, and he will establish my plans. To establish means to prepare, to determine, to make ready. And trust me, when God prepares, when he makes the plans ready, he's going to reveal it to you through his word and through his spirit. This is how we live a successful life. This is how we prosper even as our soul prospers. How is he going to do this? We have to spend time with him. We got to be in relationship with him. Communication is one of the things that will kill or make any relationship. How much are you talking? How much time are you spending not talking, listening? Are you really hearing him? Are you really hearing his heart? Are you really trying to find out what he likes, what he loves, what makes him smile? So that when you hear certain things, you're like, yeah, you know what? That sounds like Jesus to me. I got a cousin, and me and him sound very similar. Uh, We have very similar dialects. We have similar tones. We got similar laughs. He started dating a girl in high school, and they married to this day. They started dating at like 14, and they married now. It's been a long time. And for a while, I was living over there with with him and uh, his mom. I used to get on the phone when she would call. So she would call the house, and I would act like I was him. And I was good. I could get her for about a good three, four minutes. And after a while, she'd be like, Jay, is this you? (laughs) Yeah, girl, you got me. (laughs) Because even though I could imitate his voice, she knew I wasn't him. She had relationship. She could point out some differences because she knew him so well that even me emulating him was not good enough to match the original. We got to be that way with God because Satan will masquerade himself as an angel of light and he will seek whoever he can kill, steal, destroy or devour. And he will trick us by making us think we're hearing from God when we're really hearing from him. He emulates his voice. Well, but if you spend time in relationship with God, you'll pick up on the differences in the dialect. You'll pick up on the differences in the heart. The laugh won't sound quite right. And you'll be able to question him the way she did me. Uh, Jesus, is this really you? (laughs) No, I don't think this Jesus. This can't be. Because you know what? I know how Jesus' eyes twinkle when he smiles, and that wasn't in yours. I want to encourage you. Let the Spirit lead you. Pray for God to talk to you. He will reveal himself, I promise you. 
in more ways than you can imagine. He wants us to live a life that is led by his spirit because it says in the Bible there that that is when we become his children. I want to invite the prayer team to come down for those that are here. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. I want to challenge you before I let you go. Number one, listen for God's spirit. This week, spend some time. Get off by yourself. If that's in your car, turn the radio off. Go outside. Find a quiet place and just listen. For those of you that are in here that you know the Holy Spirit has been talking to you in the past or even now. And he has told you to do certain things or to take certain steps that you know align with the word of God. That you know he's provided provision and he's looking for success for you. Step off into those places. Do the things that he's called you to do. Be who he's created you to be. Live a spirit-led life. It's the greatest thing you can do. Because trust me, God is not doing it just for us. Being led by the Spirit is not just an adventure for you. For all the people around you that will be blessed by it as well.